you are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. March Madness is underway. The first two games in the first four were played last night in Dayton. We'll go over those. I've got more statistics for you in both the bracket world and the gambling world. And I'm sorry, but for those who haven't been paying attention for the last two months, I'm going to read Rick Barnes's postseason record to you yet again because I think you need to hear it before you fill out anything in regards to Tennessee or thinking of betting on Tennessee. And we will get to that momentarily. All right, let's start off with yesterday's games. You had Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the Islanders, beating SEMO, and they beat them by four, which was right on the Vegas number, depending on when you put it in. Yesterday, it was, or on Monday when the lines came out, it was at four. A&M was four-point favorite, so it would have been a push. If you got closer to tip-off and put your bet in, if you were on Texas A&M Corpus Christi, you won because it was down to three-and-a-half or three. Unfortunately, if you were on SEMO, you lost. Second game of the night, another good game, very close, down to the end. Pittsburgh and who they play? Mississippi State. <laughs> Back and forth all game. How many lead changes were in that game? 20, 22, something ridiculous like that? One thing I told you before the game last night is like I lean towards like, hey, I like Pittsburgh in this game because Mississippi State is the worst three-point shooting, three shooting team in college basketball. And then they started out the game four for four behind the three-point line and went up by eight. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Please tell me that the very first game that I handicap, this team completely goes against the norm. And then you watch them shoot the rest of the game, and you're like, whoa, okay, now that makes more sense. You know why? Because while they might have started the game four for four from three-point range and went up by eight points, you know what they finished the game at from three-point range, Mississippi State? Six for 23. So that means after going four for four to start the game, they went two for 19 the rest of the way, 26.1%. And what did I tell you? They were shooting as a team on the season, 26.7%. So things even out. Happens all the time. It's almost like when a team wins a lot of close games in the NFL the very next year, you come back to the pack. Look for that for the Minnesota Vikings next year. The Minnesota Vikings won 11 one-score games this year. They are not going 11. They, not only did they win 11, they were 11-0 and in one-score games. They either won a close game or they got blown out. And if you think they're sticking at, you know, they're going to go 10-1 and next year or even 9-2, and forget it. They're coming back to the pack. You just can't sustain that type. And the same thing happened to Mississippi State last night. When you, over a 30-game sample, shoot 26.7% from three-point range, and then you hit your first four <laughs> in the game last night, you knew they were going to taper off. And just amazing that they finished six for 23 from three-point range as a team, which is 26.1%, and on the season they were 26.7% as a team. So I'm 1-0. I'm looking to go 63-0 and in my brackets. How about that? Uh, but I'm 1-0. Had Pitt beating Mississippi State, and I also have Pitt beating Iowa State. So... Hopefully it can pull off another upset. That game will be on Friday. All 6-11 games, didn't I say? Yeah, all 6-11 matchups are on Friday. The same with all 3-14 matchups. So I've got some other stuff to go over uh, to go over you with you here in regards to some numbers um, from a service that puts out a bunch of betting notes and all this stuff. 
UC Santa Barbara plays Baylor. And that line right now, I believe, is at, what was that, 10? Is that what I saw it at? Was it at 10? Hold on, I'm going on my phone here. should have looked this up already. UC Santa Barbara, yeah, Baylor's minus 10.5. I'll say this. UC Santa Barbara is currently on a seven-game straight-up win streak and against the spread. So their last seven games, they have won outright and covered the spread, and now they're getting 10.5 against a Baylor team that covered just six times in 15 away games this year. And they're coming off back-to-back losses, so it's not like they're coming into the tournament hot. Back-to-back losses to the same exact team. Iowa State drilled them twice. So keep that in mind. Just a betting note doesn't necessarily mean UC Santa Barbara is going to cover, but I will say a couple years ago I had UC Santa Barbara as one of my teams to bet that I gave away in my column, and I got to say they ended up covering. They lost by one. They were getting seven, seven and a half, and they lost by one point. All right, it's time to talk about it. Tennessee basketball. Look. I've given you all the numbers. I'm going to give them to you again. But also, here's a paragraph that I read. This is straight out of a service that provides information. Tennessee, minus 10.5 right now against Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns. Tennessee is 1-5 against the spread in the tournament since 2019. They've only covered one game in the last four years in the tournament. And they're going to be without point guard Sakai Ziegler, as you know. And... Tennessee is 4-8 against the spread since February 1st. Louisiana uh, Lafayette is 12-6-1 against the spread since January 1st. They have a head coach that's been in the tournament before, and now it's time to once again read Rick Barnes' obituary at Tennessee. He's only been to the tournament. He's been to the tournament four times as coach of Tennessee. Twice as a three seed, and both times as a three seed, he inevitably lost to a double-digit seed. In 2017-2018, they were a three seed. They won their first-round game against Wright State, but then they lost to an 11 seed, Loyola Chicago, in the second round. In 2018, they were a two seed. They won against Colgate, 15 seed. They won against a 10 seed, Iowa, but then they lost to three seed, Purdue. That's probably his best showing as Tennessee coach. But then in 2021, the season after COVID, they were a five seed. They lost the 5-12 matchup. They lost to Oregon State in the round of 64. And in 2021 and 2022, last year, again, a three seed. They won their first round game against Longwood, then lost to 11 seed in Michigan in the round of 32. So three of the last, three of the four years he's been head coach of Tennessee, they have ended up losing to a double-digit seed. They are playing Louisiana Lafayette, a 14 seed. They are minus 10.5 points. And this is a team that has a really hard time scoring the basketball. And last time I checked, you kind of need to score to win games. Now, I'm not saying they're going to lose to Louisiana Lafayette. They might, because they've shown they can lose outright to these double-digit seeds. It's happened three or four times. But to also lay 10.5, that seems like an awfully big number I just ah there's something about that that just doesn't sit right I know that one of the big upset teams that everyone's looking at is Oral Roberts over Duke that line has dropped I think when it opened it was seven and a half now it's down to six maybe six and a half in some places 
I know that they are a popular team because of what they did two years ago in the tournament. Their their point guard, Max Asmus, led them to the Sweet 16. They've got three players coming back from that team, plus they've got a seven foot five center named Connor Vanover, who is new to the team. But the numbers don't look good when they have played better opponents. This year, they lost 83-45 to Houston. They lost by 10 at Utah State. And when they have been underdogs, they were 1-3 against the spread. In the four games that they were underdogs, their best player, Max Asmus, shot 7 of 34 from three-point range. Okay, so keep that in mind. Duke, however, coming into the tournament, a lot hotter. Nine-game winning streak. Six and three against the spread. Nobody, everyone is picking right now that they are, you know, thinking that they are going to just either, you know, ride to the final four. Um, Not everybody, but I think a lot of people are also looking at this, like I said, as a possible upset. I don't know. Those numbers don't look good for Oral Roberts. You know, this is Duke. I can't remember the two teams that Oral Roberts beat two years ago in the tournament to get to the Sweet 16. I don't think, though, that they were as good as Duke, if I remember correctly. I just don't remember who they were. So just keep that in mind. Um, there's, a lot of pe- there's a lot of teams that are traveling very far. Could that affect them? Could it not? St. Mary's has to go all the way from Moraga, California, to Albany, New York. It's almost 3,000 miles. Uh, they, are not, they are playing on Friday, so they do get an extra day of rest. I think one of the more interesting games, and the fan bases are going to be going crazy, is that game in Albany between Iona and UConn because Iona is in New York. UConn, as we know, is in Connecticut, very close to New York. That game is going to be crazy. I like San Diego State over College of Charleston. The travel, almost 2,500 miles from San Diego to Orlando where they're playing that game, kind of worries me. But College of Charleston right now is such the darling upset pick that I think I might go the other way on that. I'm I'm leaning towards San Diego State right now. My game, I really like that Kent State, like I told you, one of my two picks outside of Furman plus 5.5 against Virginia is Kent State plus 4 against Indiana. Like I said, they lost 49-44 to Houston earlier this year. They only lost by 7 on the road to Gonzaga. Also, the fact that it's a 4-13 game, and the line is only four and a half, should tell you all you need to know. Odds makers know this is going to be a close game. So there's that. I want to go over a couple of the other games in in the uh, Midwest region real quickly. Well, maybe not just the Midwest, but some of the other regions. Because, like, you know, the way they do the games is they're in pod systems now because just because you're playing in Albany, you could still be in, like, perfect example, St. Mary's and VCU and UConn or Iona and UConn Iona are playing in Albany, but they're in the West region. They're just doing it so they can accommodate as many fans as they can as possible so fans don't have to travel so far for first-round games. It's impossible to do that for everybody that makes the tournament. That's why teams like St. Mary's have to travel and certain teams like Iona and UConn don't. But, you know, we start off tomorrow with four games, West Virginia, Maryland, Furman, Virginia, Utah State, Missouri, Howard, Kansas. I mean – I don't want to say my whole weekend is going to be riding on the second game of the tournament, but I tell you right now, if Furman doesn't cover that game, it's going to be a long day and a half for me. <laughs> a day and a half for me in Vegas because I'm just going to be like, man, I can't even win my first game. Although I did win Pittsburgh last night, I have much more riding on Furman, and I'm just 
please don't do this to me. You know, let me let me enjoy things. <laughs> let me at least start out with a win in the second game of the tournament and kind of go from there. But you've got, uh, th- you know, three of the number one seeds are playing. And I mentioned this the other day, but assuming no 15 beats a two and clearly a 16 is probably not beating a one, you're going to be 6-0 and in your brackets because 6-2s and 6-1s play on Thursday. So it's what you do in the other 10 games. And we've got a 9-8 matchup, a 10-7, a 13-4, a 12-5, another 9-8, another 9-8, another 12-5, another 10-7, and another 13-4 and another 10-7. So, you know, you're looking at – I I – I don't know what you made. I don't know what you picked in your brackets. Everybody can pick whoever they want. I'm just giving suggestions and I'm giving notes for everybody, but it's something to look into that if if all the ones and twos win on Thursday, that means there's 10 games where you know a higher-seeded team is going to win at least two, three, if not more. It's just, it's just the way the tournament works. You know what's happening. And if for one, some wacky reason on Thursday only a few, only two or three out of 16 higher-seeded teams win, then you know the upsets are coming on Friday. Friday will be upset central because you've got all the 314 matchups, all the 611 matchups, which you know favor the 11 seed. They are 26 and 22 against six seeds since 2010. You'll have two 5-12 matchups. You'll have two 4-13 matchups. There's going to be upsets on Friday if we don't get a few on Thursday. Hell, even if we do get a few on Thursday, there's still going to be upsets Friday. It's not going to be just one day of stuff. So I keep track of all this stuff, and I I make sure to see, okay, which seeds advanced, which seeds didn't. Oh, wow, three of the seven seeds have already beaten the 10s. There's only one 10-7 game left. Got to go with a 10, you know, because 24 out of 25 years, a 10 seed has beaten a 7 seed. So... Keep that in mind as you are going over your brackets. Hopefully you are one, you know, hopefully some of you are already 2-0. Some of you already picked uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the Islanders. Maybe some of you picked Pittsburgh Panthers and you're 2-0. Now, we all know that Corpus Christi is being fed to the number one overall seed in Alabama, so they're going to get drilled. But man they're making them come back on thursday i didn't even see that until now yeah the southeast missouri state texas a&m corpus just game coming back on thursday okay well they play tuesday usually if you play tuesday you play thursday except both 11 seed games tonight's asu nevada game they're not coming back till friday and same with pittsburgh pittsburgh doesn't play iowa state until friday either so uh the 116 games the other one is played on Friday as well. So that's right, because you play Wednesday, you got to play Friday. You're not going to play Wednesday and Thursday. So Tuesday, Thursday for one of the games, Tuesday, Friday for one of the games, and then Wednesday, Friday uh, for the both games tonight. The winners play on Friday. So keep that in mind. Again, bracket stuff. There are so many different ways you can go. I think if you're going to enter a bracket pool, my suggestion is this. If you can, do multiple brackets because just entering one, your odds are so low. They just are. You have to almost fill out one that has a lot of upsets in it 
just in case there are upset, just in case you pick the right ones. But you also almost have to fill out a bracket where maybe you have some early round upsets, but your Elite Eight and your Final Four is not all wacky. You know, very rarely does a double-digit seed make the Final Four. Has it happened? Yes. Very rare, though. So while you can have them pulling an upset in the first and maybe even the second round, I wouldn't go as far as putting a double-digit seed in the Final Four. You do need to put a double-digit seed in the Sweet 16 because it's happened at least once every year since 2008. A double-digit seed is going to make the Sweet 16, if not multiple ones. Last year, I believe we had four. Four, six? have it on my phone. Let me pull that out again. Last year, Final Four, uh, Sweet 16... We had one, two, three, four. Yeah, four double-digit seeds made it. Two 11 seeds, a 10 seed, and a 15 seed. We know the 15 seed was St. Peter's. So that's what I mean. You're going to get some. Who? Different story. I know that there are a lot of people that are absolutely thinking that we're going to get back-to-back double-digit seeds winning in that Miami Drake, Indiana, Kent State area where people are picking Drake and Kent State, and sometimes some people are even picking Charleston and Furman, who would end up playing each other if they both won. So those are the two that everybody's looking at. Doesn't necessarily scare me with Furman, but of course, any game you put, any game you bet could possibly lose. But I really I really do like this Furman team. I really like their story. Told you about the seniors coming back after losing in the heartbreaker of a championship game, the SoCon Tournament Championship last year to Tennessee Chattanooga. Their top two players decided to come back. They take them to the title this year. They've got a Virginia team that is absolutely prepped and absolutely has a history of getting bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament just because of their style of play. They don't score. And anytime you don't score, and now they're playing a team that ranked 11th in the nation in how many points they put up a game, over 80, you know, it's like, it's right there. It's right there for Furman. They can beat Virginia. Do I need to go into Furman's locker room and give them a pep talk before the game? Do I need to give them a motivational speech? I think I do. And if maybe they're listening, hey, maybe players on the Furman team, Mike Bothwell, Jalen Slauson, J.P. Pegues, if you're listening to this podcast, go out there and kick some ass. Go beat the Who's. Yes, that's Virginia, the Wahoos, but nicknamed the Who's. Boo-hoo, who's boo-effing who. You know what's funny? In my podcast tomorrow, my weekly podcast, I have on Jacqueline Trumbull, who is a graduate of the University of Virginia. So I don't want to let you in on a little, I don't want to let you in on too much information, but uh, we might have a side bet going on that game. So Furman, Virginia, second tip-off, 9.40 a.m., Tomorrow morning, it's the best time of year, people. You cannot convince me. March Madness is the best time of the year. It's the best sporting event to watch in Las Vegas. Everything else, I'm sure, is pretty cool. I've been there for one of the major, the three horse races. I've been there for the Kentucky Derby. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool to be there, in, in, in the, but that's two minutes long. You're not going out to Vegas for a weekend for a two-minute horse race. You might be in Vegas and watch it and think it's really cool and everybody getting fired up, but this is an event. This is a weekend event. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, wall-to-wall college basketball. Now, I'm only going to be there for two days, 
I was supposed to be there for three, got cut short, but I'm going to my buddy's 50th birthday party with the greatest costume, 80s costume you can ever imagine. I'll probably post it somewhere on my social media pages. Check that out. But you just can't beat it. 16 games Thursday, 16 games Friday. It's it's heaven. It's heaven on earth. At least for me it is. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Let's get this podcast out there to as many people as we can that maybe haven't heard about it yet. I hope I've given you a lot of college basketball information as we head into the weekend. As you know, the next two sports dailies will be recorded from my hotel room in Vegas. I'll give you an update on what the vibe is, what the feel is, if the tables are going well. I'll let you know. But next two days, I'll be recording from my hotel room and just let you know uh, what's going on there. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.